Hello, ladies, and welcome to the Brides and Wives podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope that you are having a wonderful, wonderful day. I hope that whatever you're doing, whatever time of the day it is, whatever the day of the week, I hope that today you are feeling full of joy. I hope that you are feeling excitement for the future. And you know what? If you're not feeling all of those things right now, right in this very moment, then that's okay because we all have days and moments where we don't feel all of those things. I know I've had plenty of them over this past little while this past season and when I say this past season we all know what we mean by that but I guess just to specify I'm talking COVID 2020 that is the past season I'm talking about and I know we've all had plenty of moments in the past season where we've not felt all of those things but I also know that right now at this moment in time God is starting to shake things he's starting to stir our hearts and he's starting to call us into something new and so today what I want to do in this episode is share with you the things that God has been saying to me throughout this previous season this season I believe that's coming to a close. I want to share with you a a whole bunch of the things that I've learned, some of the ways that God has opened my eyes and revealed parts of me that really need to change, that I need to take responsibility and change. I want to share those with you. And I want to share with you the things that he's been saying to me recently as well, because I want to spark hope in you and I want to stir up your faith. So if you aren't feeling all of those things today, that's totally fine. But I really hope and pray that you will be by the end of this podcast. So just keep going about whatever you're doing. And by the end of this podcast, I really do think that you are going to feel a lot more joy and hope and excitement at the end of the podcast as to what you're feeling right now if you are feeling a little bit down and a little bit confused about where you're at in the whole picture of things and what God's doing because I know I have certainly felt very confused over this past season and I want to help you have vision for the future. I want to share with you Uh, just what God might be doing and maybe help open your ears, your eyes, your heart to hear and see and experience more of him in, in this moment today and in the next little while as you keep going about your life. I just, I really want to help direct you and give you a little bit of a sense of vision and clarity. And yes, that's what this podcast is going to be about today. So I've rambled enough. You've got the picture. That's what today is about. And so like I said, God has been shaking and stirring and pruning and purifying. And we've had all of this kind of language start to pop up over the last, I would say predominantly the last couple of weeks, especially the shaking word. And I actually, I got a vision from God about maybe two or three months ago now. And it was, you know, I'm going to say like three months ago, time has been flying lately, hasn't it? Like what the heck, we're almost, we're in October. It's almost November, which means it's almost Christmas. Sam has told me I'm not allowed to put the Christmas tree up until November. He said I can start getting excited about Christmas after his birthday, which has just been 6th of October. And I'm allowed to put the tree up on the 1st of November. So I, trust me, I'm getting excited. I am starting to play Michael Bublé. Christmas is around the corner. But my point is the months have been going very quickly. And I think it was about three months ago that I got a vision from God. It was very, very clear, very distinct and very powerful. And I actually, I wrote it all down in an email and I actually sent it to a prophet who I know about in Australia. Her name's Vicky Simpson. And I asked her to kind of um, clarify it for me really, because I, it was a bit wild. It was a bit out there. And I hadn't had a vision like this um, for quite a while, but I also, I have had them before and I got it and I just thought, okay, maybe there's something prophetic in this, but I don't know if it is or not. I don't know if this is like really from God. I want to test it. I want to, um, I want to have someone else maybe confirm for me if they can. I just wanted to run it by somebody else. 
and I didn't know what to do with it either. And so I've kind of like dibble and dabbled in sharing it with a few people here and there. I shared it with Sam. I've kind of, I've shared it, maybe like parts of it in conversation just about what I believe God's been doing. Maybe not specifically the vision, but I want to share the vision with you right now. So the vision that I got from God was that I could see this landscape that was like maybe like mountain ranges kind of thing picture like mountain ranges in the dark and I could see this wide spread out landscape kind of mountainous with lots and lots of spot fires all over them so you could just see these little burning fires everywhere and what I pictured was so in Australia what happens when fires start when we go through the bushfire season is spot fires will generally start first and the spot fires can be kept Um, contained a lot easier obviously than when they all join together and they're this big raging force it's much harder to get the fire under control when the spot fires join together and so initially I got this vision of all of these spot fires that have been started and I just knew in my spirit that those fires were fires that the Holy Spirit was lighting within people. There were Holy Spirit fires within his temple and his temple is, is us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit as believers of Christ. He has made us flesh and blood, his temple to come and dwell inside of us. So that's what I was seeing and that's what that represented. And then Obviously, I had the that my mind went to the bushfires in Australia and how that, that all works, and it, my mind went to all of those spot fires joining up and creating this like wall of flame, this wall of fire, and when all of those fires join together, it's it's practically impossible to stop the force of that fire. And the last thing that firefighters want to see happen when all those spot fires join together in Australia is a massive gust of wind. And so the vision that I was getting and this the whole idea that was unraveling in my mind as I was seeing this vision was when all of these spot fires are lit, all of these fires that are the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of people and they join together in unity and then the Spirit of God breathes on them, it is impossible to stop the force and the power of the Holy Spirit living and dwelling inside the temple. And so to me, that was a really powerful vision, but a really, really exciting vision for what God is doing right now. And I really do believe that that's what he's doing. And I have heard plenty of other people talk more and more about that in different ways, shapes and forms as well, about the Holy Spirit filling individual people and bringing people alive, stirring that Holy Spirit fire within them, and then joining us together in unity and God breathing on that and that being an unstoppable force. And so I want to encourage you with that at the very beginning of this episode. And I would also encourage you to just seek God and seek his presence. Nothing else, not religion, not tasks, not spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines, by the way, very, very good, very important, help us and aid us in experiencing the presence of God in our day-to-day lives. And I'm all for spiritual disciplines and practices and tradition. I'm starting to learn more about tradition. I am opening my mind up a lot more to different religions that um, are more traditional because I want to understand more of the traditional practices that help us on a day-to-day basis experience more of the presence of God. So absolutely nothing wrong with spiritual disciplines. But what I am saying is first and foremost, seeking the presence of God. That's why we do all of those things. And if you need to strip back some disciplines or some uh, routine, anything that feels religious, anything that feels like obligation, if you need to strip those back for a season or, you know, whether it's a season or whether it is a couple of days or whether it's just like one or two things you need to stop and one or two things you need to keep focusing on, then I would just encourage you to do that. 
in order to seek the presence of God. Presence of God must, must, must be number one. And then all of those other things, they help come alongside to support us in seeking his presence. And I know that I have 100% been in a place or probably my entire faith life, which hasn't been super long. How long has it been? I became a Christian just before I turned 18 and I am now 24. So what's that? Six years. Six years? Yeah. And I would say that probably only in the beginning of my faith and then now recently I have sought God's presence above everything else. And in the in-between period, I have put obligations, religiosity, tasks, responsibility, church on an organizational level, uh, church on a kind of like brand business level. I have put those things above the presence of God. And now I'm coming back to seeking the presence of God. So there's absolutely no guilt and shame in what I'm saying, because I have been there majority of my faith. And I just am so thankful for the grace and the mercy of God that he's now giving us an opportunity to repent. He's calling us back to him. And his mercy is so good that when we repent, there's there's nothing to be ashamed of. There's nothing to hold on to. There's, there's no reason to sit and wallow in the things that you've not done and the way that you've gotten caught up and caught away from the presence of God. There's no point in getting caught up in that because his presence is so rich and his mercy is so good and he just wants to be with us. He wants us to be with him. And so repent, turn away from whatever you need to turn away from, turn towards him. And, and there you are. That's it. How amazing is that? Anyway, blows my mind. I don't even know how to articulate it properly. He's just, he's so good. And so while I'm talking about repentance, I wanted to share with you a whole list of things that I have had to repent from over the last season, throughout the last season. And I'm going to share this list of the things that I've repented from. I'll share a list of what God has been speaking to me throughout the lockdown, the season, the previous season. There's a couple of scriptures that I want to share with you as well. And then I've just got a couple of things that I think God is calling us to focus on as we go forward out of this current season into the next one. And so some of the things that I've had to repent from, I'm just going to go through the list to be honest. This is a decent list here. So the first thing that I've repented from is affiliating with the church as a brand or an organization, like I just said, um, affiliating myself with those elements of the church as opposed to the church as the bride of Christ and as opposed to obviously Jesus himself. Next thing I've repented from obliging myself to non-spiritual practices, obliging myself, key phrase there, not being obliged, but obliging myself, taking responsibility. Um, and then repenting from that one. The next thing kind of similar on the similar lines is that yoking myself to slavery. And that will make more sense when I read a scripture that God brought to me earlier on in this season. The next thing, holding on to damaging mindsets because they keep me safe. Huge, huge one right there. And I think, yeah, that all of us, all of us do this because of the way that our brain is wired. And so again, there's, there's no guilt or shame in that whatsoever. Our brain works to keep us safe and emotional pain and physical pain sends the same triggers in our brain. And so our brain's job is to keep us safe and alive. And when there are pain signals, our brain essentially finds, it finds ways of keeping us from experiencing that pain to keep us safe and alive. That's what it's there for. And so the brain is doing a good job, but the problem comes when our brain starts to tell us things are not safe when they actually are safe. So an example of this that Sam and I are actually talking about this morning is say someone is really, really overweight, right? Struggles with their weight and they're faced with the option of taking the stairs or the elevator. And the thought 
hardly even comes and goes their minds before they're on the elevator because the thought of taking the stairs and facing the stairs means that they know that they're going to be puffed halfway up the stairs and they're going to have to stop and take a break and they're ashamed of what people might think of them when they're stopped halfway up the stairs and puffing and they're ashamed of maybe their weight or ashamed of what people might think of them ashamed in some way or or another. And so before that thought even really has time to make it to the prefrontal cortex of the brain, they're taking the elevator to avoid that shame. But the thing is, the brain is telling them, take the elevator, that's safer, because it knows that there's going to be, there's there's been an emotional response of pain because of that shame, the thought of the shame that could come from taking the stairs. And so they're on the elevator, but the stairs are actually the healthier choice. Okay. So we make choices that are unhealthy for us because our brain says, that's not safe. And there'll be a deeper reason as to why that thing's not safe. And it probably comes from childhood because at some point in childhood, we were made to feel unsafe by a specific thing. I know I've gone completely off my list of repenting, but I think this is this is really important. And this is something that I've learned over the last couple of years, big, big journey, something that Sam and I have learned in our marriage and just like understanding what's happening in our brain and why we are triggered and why we make decisions that kind of seem un- unreasonable and not rational, unrational. I think that's the word. I don't know. But we make these decisions as adults that are, they don't make sense. And actually what's happening is they make sense to the child within us. They make sense to the pain point. They make sense to the part of us that is afraid or insecure or ashamed, but they don't make sense on a healthy adult level. And so we need to understand where the the trigger's coming from. And in church, I think many of us have done this in the church circles that I've been around. I have done this. A lot of people I know have done this. And we've just, we've gotten very used to our church model, this Pentecostal uh, attractional church model, kind of business-like, organizational-like church model that I'm not going to go into all of the ins and outs of that, but we've gotten very, very good in this model of latching on to non-spiritual practices that keep us safe, that validate us in some way, shape or form, and avoiding the things that challenge us and make us feel the pain or the insecurity or the fear. We've gotten good at doing that. And that is because our brain has wanted to stay in that place. So we haven't even been doing it doing it consciously. Our brain has just wanted to stay in this place of being safe and validated because that's what the brain is there to do, to keep us safe, to keep us from dying. But now God has shone a light on this. I really believe God's shone a light on this in this season where we've not been able to meet every Sunday and we've not been able to do events. We've not been able to be in the church, building, hosting people, hosting services all the time. So he's shone a light on the fact that a lot of those things that we were doing, those non-spiritual practices that we were doing as a part of the church were validating us and keeping us safe. And he doesn't want us to be validated and kept safe by a whole bunch of practices and disciplines and teams and responsibilities and checklists and run sheets. That's not what he's called us to. God has called us to freedom. And the, the thing that I've had to repent of personally is repenting from yoking myself to slavery and obliging myself to non-spiritual practices. Both of those things are things that I have done and I have grace and understanding for myself because I understand a little bit about how my brain works and why I've done that. So that make, that helps me to have compassion on myself. But on the same hand, I know that I've needed to repent from it. I know I've needed to turn away from it and I needed to turn back to God and prioritize my relationship with God and his presence instead of those things that make me feel safe and validated because he is the one that makes me safe and validates me and only him. 
And whenever I'm looking for that anywhere else, it's because I have a pain point that needs to be healed. And you know what else? He can heal that and he can take us on the journey of healing those things. So that's been a really big one for me to repent of. And But first of all, I mean, first of all, take responsibility for it. And like I said, there's a scripture I'm going to read later that really brought that to light for me. And so the next thing that I've had to repent of, and this is probably a more recent one, is thinking of myself and my denomination more highly and closer to the truth than others. The next thing is just repenting from grieving the spirit by resisting or quenching the Holy Spirit and his desire to be within us and lead us and and just be ever present in every way, in every moment, day by day, from thought to thought, in every interaction with others. I have grieved the spirit by resisting him and quenching him. And the word quenching, I, I was just, I was thinking, does it like quench your thirst? I was like, oh, I don't really know if that one makes sense. And then I read the definition or another definition for it. And it is putting out a fire, act of quenching a very hot substance is the example. So putting out a fire. And I was just like, wow, that makes perfect sense. And especially coming back to that vision that I spoke about before, that Holy Spirit fire that he wants to light in us and burn with within us. I think that, well, I know for me, I've been grieving the spirit. And I think in a lot of ways, in the way that we've done church, if you've been a part of the, the Pentecostal attractional church model, um, I think a lot of the ways we've been doing church have been grieving the Holy Spirit and have been putting out that fire. And is actually, you know, it's an act of quenching that very hot substance and that grieves the Holy Spirit. And so I've had to repent from that and turn away from that. And I'm, that's probably the most recent one to be honest I'm working on turning towards the spirit and turning towards God being present in my every moment in my every thought my every day my every interaction with others and so that right there that's the list of the things that I have personally repented from there's going to be many many more there's probably many more that I've missed but that kind of sums it up um, as much as possible and I think the reason why it's really really important to be focusing on repenting it's kind of this big word isn't it repenting and I don't know, I think maybe, well, I can't speak for everyone, but for myself personally, I know that I viewed my repentance as as like when I when I was saved, my salvation. I repented for my sin. I turned away from living a life without God and I turned towards living life with God and for God. And I welcomed him in and I that was, you know, my moment of repentance. And that is a moment of repentance. But I think I have underestimated, well, I know I have underestimated and uh, under, what's the word, like not placed enough emphasis, underemphasized, repenting on a regular daily base, hourly basis, repenting and turning away from my sin. I think I have over, I keep going to say we, I, I have overemphasized the grace of God and have actually resisted his his presence and resisted his power to work in me and to heal me because I have overemphasized his grace. And, and it, you know, on the one hand, I know his grace cannot be overemphasized. But here what I'm saying here, I've focused too much on the grace of God and too little on the act of repentance, of needing to repent and actually look inwards and slow down and be aware and self-reflective, repent of things and turn away from things day by day and turn towards God. We know that following Jesus is is a picking up your cross daily kind of a journey. And again, something that I just know that I haven't really focused on enough. I haven't let that reality sink in. And so a couple of the scriptures that I am kind of basing this whole thing off and like testing these prophecies that I'm getting off 
Two of the main ones is the first one, 2 Chronicles 7 verse 12. And this scripture floated around quite a bit when coronavirus actually started. And it was because obviously there's, there was this virus that had just swept across the globe and it's obviously still sweeping across the globe. And there was also a, a very large locust plague in Africa that was destroying a lot of crops. And it was just popping up on the in the news here and there. And a few people mentioned it and then it kind of like fizzled out. And there wasn't much more about it. But I'm going to read the scripture now just to kind of bring it back to our minds. The so Second Chronicles 7 verse 12, and I'll just read on all the way through until verse 16. So it says, then the Lord appeared to Solomon in the night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. Oh, so yeah, side note, Solomon has just finished building the temple. Verse 13, when I shut up the heavens so there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. For now I have chosen and consecrated this house that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will be there for all time. And so that that scripture there is one that kind of stuck with me when I started to hear it brought up at the start of this year. And I think I read it myself actually around that same time. And then I sort of started to see it pop up. And that's just come back to mind for me recently over the last couple of months. And that is what's kind of led me to continue to focus on repenting and um, have a little bit more of an awareness just day to day of repentance. And that has helped me so much in just taking ownership for, I guess, the pain that I feel like I've experienced experienced, I'll be honest, a lot from from church and a lot of the kind of injustice that I've felt and the frustration as I've started to realize a lot of the ways that, you know, we've been doing things as a church that just have been grieving the spirit of God. And this verse here has helped me to take personal responsibility. And so has the next one, which actually I'll read now and then I'll keep talking about this. So the next one is Galatians 5 verse 1. And it says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Pretty simple stuff. But for me, that verse, when I read that verse, it really convicted me to take responsibility. And I think when I read that, it was, I don't know, maybe four or five months. What are we, October? Oh, gosh, even like five or six months ago, I read that verse and it really challenged me to take responsibility. And and the verse there says, do not submit again to a yoke of slavery or another way that it's put uh, in another version. I think the NLT is do not let yourselves be burdened by the yoke of slavery. And yeah, when I read that, I just thought, you know what? No one else has obliged me. I've got no one else to blame for making me feel obliged to certain non-spiritual practices like I talked about. I have obliged myself. I have yoked myself to slavery, and that's something that I need to take personal responsibility for. And so as I've taken personal responsibility for all of these things, it's helped me to be more reflective, look inwards and and have a bit of a think. Be compassionate on myself as well. And you need to be compassionate on yourself as you do that. This is I encourage you to do if you haven't already. We need to have compassion on ourselves because, like I said, our brains are wired in a particular way. They latch on to the things that make us safe and validated, but that is not the life that Christ has called us to live anymore. He's renewing our minds. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. He set us free so that we can be free. 
And so it is fully within our power as Christ followers. Our minds are being renewed. He has made us a new recreation and he's restoring us. But it requires on our part repentance. It requires self-reflection. It requires us to humble ourselves, humble ourselves before God, repent, turn away from the things that are validating us that are not him and turn towards him, turn towards his validation of us. But in that whole process, it is important that we think about where those things have come from. And as we go back to, like Sam and I talked about in the last episode, we go back to our family rules. We go back to, it's a whole episode for itself. So if you haven't listened to last week's episode, definitely go and check that out. Um, it would be really, really helpful, especially if you feel like you're, you've got these kind of irrational responses that are not like adult responses, odds are they're probably a hurting, broken child within you that hasn't been healed in certain areas. And so having a think about our family rules helps us to go back and heal from those places and and let God in to heal those places. And he will do that. And so this process is really, really important. Humbling ourselves, slowing down, slowing down is a massive one like practicing the Sabbath and a sabbatical lifestyle, a Sabbath lifestyle, working from a place of rest, trusting that God is going to provide, that we don't need to be striving all of the time. Just simple practices like that, spiritual practices, help us to slow down and create margin in our lives so that we can actually be self-reflective. We can actually realize when those shame thoughts are coming into our minds, telling us to take the elevator instead of the stairs. And we we have that margin. You know, when we're in a rush, when we're in a rush and we're just like trying to bolt into the shop and get something and get out again because then we got to be somewhere else and we're late and da 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 da. We don't even have time to process that thought that's come into our mind. We're just we're just there and our brain's just like, come on, like it's just keeping us alive. It's just keeping us safe. But if we actually slow down simple practices that slow us down and help us to just not be in a rush, like to just not be rushed in our spirit helps us. And it definitely has helped Sam and I practicing these things. It's helped us to actually be more aware of the feeling and the emotion and the feeling and the emotion, not a bad thing. We've definitely demonized emotions in the church. And like, I've had enough of that full stop because emotions are triggers that tell us that something is wrong and taking the stance is not wrong. And so if we've got margin to, to feel that there's something in us that's saying, oh, something's wrong, red flag. And then we have a moment to think, well, well, taking the stairs isn't bad because I know that that's good for me and that's healthy. So what is it that's saying something's wrong here? That room and that margin gives us an opportunity to go deeper and have a think about what that actually is and realize, oh, okay, I think I'm, I'm feeling ashamed. I'm feeling, I'm feeling scared. I'm fearful that I'm going to feel ashamed when I get halfway up those stairs and have to stop and have to have a breather and people are going to look at me and I'm going to feel just like I felt when I was in PE, 10 years old, and people made fun of me because I couldn't run around the oval. You know, whatever it is, there's a pain point there. And if we give ourselves margin, then we give ourselves room to actually feel the emotion and experience that there's something not right there and then address it, give it to God, be able to hand it to him, humble ourselves to hand it hand it to him and uh, not let pride spike up to try and keep us safe because that'll happen too, but actually hand it to God, humble ourselves and allow him in to heal us, help us to bring that to other people so that it can be healed in the context of relationship and so that we can be set free from that and walking in freedom with God. Forget what my point was entirely, but that 
stair elevator analogy is one that I think is maybe, well, it's really useful for us. And um, I hope that it will be useful for you as well. If you need that to kind of remind yourself to just slow down and also to remind yourself of thinking a little bit deeper as to what might be going on inside of you. That's right. I was talking about not being yoked to slavery. And so that my whole point is to be set free so that we can be set free. But the first step is actually slowing down. And then the second step is repenting. And the third step is praying. The fourth step, seeking his face. And the fifth step, he will. He just, he will. He will do what he's going to do. And getting caught up in what he will do and when he'll heal you and how he'll heal you isn't the point here. The point is that you humble yourself. You slow down, you humble yourself, you repent, you pray, you seek his face and you trust him. You trust that he will do what he needs to do in you and through you and for you. And he will. He just will. And so just to finish this episode, I just finally want to share with you a list of what I believe God's shown me in this season throughout this, I guess, lockdown coronavirus 2020 season throughout this year. I've pretty much touched on a lot of this stuff, but I just want to be vulnerable and share what God's been doing in me. And I really do pray that that encourages you. I think that you know, when I when I wrote this list a couple of weeks ago and I looked over it and realized how much God has shown me in the journey that he's taken me on, it gave me so much hope for what he's going to do in this next season. And it gave me, I don't know, it gave me like a sense of, you know, like it hasn't been wasted. None of this has been wasted. And this year has not looked like any of us would have foresaw or any of us would have planned unless you're a prophet and you got a word and you you didn't share it <laughs> because you were like, no, no, that can't be right. But you know, most of us probably had no idea. And so we're going to roll with that one. But I just want to encourage you that this year has not been a waste and God has shown you things. He will have shown you things. He will have worked in you. And so I encourage you to write your own list, sit down and write your list. And literally in my journal, it just says here, Lord, what have you shown me in this season? And then I just started to write a list and I just wrote thing after thing as it came to me. And then I looked at my list and I was like, wow, God, you have really shown me a lot this season and I've learned a lot and it's not been in vain. And so I want to share my list with you. So the first thing that I wrote down is simply breaking obligation, which I talked about. The next thing, taking ownership for what I'm yoked to, understanding that it's our brokenness that causes us to latch onto things that validate us and make us feel safe. And the next thing that God showed me after that, which I've written down here, is that he gave me compassion for people who've latched on. That was a really big one. That helped to break a lot of um, bitterness and frustration and resentment in me when I realized that it's our brokenness that causes us to latch on to things that validate us and make us feel safe. When I realized that I have done that a lot and when I realized that I needed to repent of that, I then realized that that's just what other people are doing and it's just because of their brokenness and it helped me to have so much compassion for those people. And then the next thing that I've written down here is just understanding breaks blame, anger, frustration and resentment. That was a huge one. Having understanding breaks blame, anger, frustration and resentment. The next thing, he is the builder and I am the brick. (laughs) He is the builder. I am the brick. What? Where do we fit in the whole rebuilding of the church thing? We we fit in as the brick. <laughs> That's it. No special part. He's the builder. 
He is the cornerstone. We are the bricks. He's building us up one by one. We're his temple. And all we need to do is humble ourselves and give ourselves as a living sacrifice because he will build his church. He is building his church and he'll continue to build his church. And you know what? I believe that he has been building his church throughout this entire season. Even though we've not been able to meet on Sundays, he has been building his church. And his church right now, I actually believe is stronger than she was a month before we went into lockdown. 100% believe that without a doubt, because we have been brought back to seeking the face of God, not distracted by the everyday tasks and responsibilities and events and services. I'm not saying that those things are all a bad thing. I'm just saying that the number one thing is to seek his face. And I know for me, that was not on the top of my priority list. And that's not what all of the things that I was doing, they they weren't leading me to seeking his face. They were leading me to try and help other people seek his face. But that wasn't even the example that I personally was setting because those things weren't helping me to seek his face. And so I believe the church is stronger now than she was before we went into lockdown. And that really encourages me. And so God has been building his church. He is building his church. Jesus is the cornerstone. And I I'm a humble brick. (laughs) And the last thing that I've written down here is repent and turn to God's path. And obviously I've talked about that as well. And so I just want you to feel really encouraged that he will, he will meet you there. He will provide for you what you need. He will teach you. He will correct you. He will love you. He will heal you. He will. He will, he will, he will. And so that has been my journey over this past season. Those are the things that I've had to repent from. Those are the things that I have learned that God has shown me. And so a couple of things, I encourage you to put practices of slowing down in your life. And that is the first step. I really believe that's the first step to even becoming aware of what you're feeling. I know, my goodness, before before this season, before lockdown, Sam and I were so just unaware of our own emotions. I remember Sam saying quite often, I don't even know what I'm feeling. Like I can't, it's not that I won't tell you how I'm feeling. It's that I can't tell you how I'm feeling because I don't know how I'm feeling. And I struggled with that as well, struggling to understand like what am I actually feeling right now? What are my emotions? And putting in practices of slowing down. I mean, gosh, we've all been forced to slow down in some way because of this lockdown. But if we can actually continue to put in practices to help us slow down, then I know that that is the first step to actually enabling us to then become aware of our emotions and just give our brains that time to process what's going on inside of us and read into the Sabbath as well, because these aren't just non-spiritual practices that are just a good idea and a good little structure and model. These are spiritual practices. Slowing down is a spiritual practice. So get your head into some books about the Sabbath, start reading up on the Sabbath, understanding the Sabbath. There's a fantastic podcast called Fight, Hustle and Hurry or Fight, Hurry and Hustle, one or the other. Have a listen to that podcast and put in some practices to help you slow down. And then the next thing I would encourage you to do is make a list of the things that God has shown you in this season. Write them all down, read over them, get a bird's eye view, a bird's eye perspective of what he's done. And I really do believe that that's going to stir hope up in you for what he's going to do. I think that it will help you be able to uh, see what he might be doing in the next season, not make a prediction, but actually start to get a bit of a, like a, the rhythm that God is is moving at, at this moment in time. And I believe that that's, you know, he's, he's moving globally, but he's also doing something new in all of us. And all of us have got different chains that need to be broken and different things that we need to 
unyoke ourselves from. I pray for you. I pray that you will be able to unyoke yourself from anything that is keeping you enslaved. I just encourage you that it is freedom that Christ has set you free. And so I pray for your freedom. I pray for your healing. And I just, I believe that God is going to do a new work in you. He's going to renew your mind where your mind needs to be renewed. He's going to break unhealthy mindsets in you. And again, he's going to, he's going to help you to take responsibility. He will empower you. This is on you as well to take responsibility and ownership and humble yourself and not let pride get in the way. So I just, I stand against pride in Jesus' name and I encourage you to seek his face and I know that he will. (laughs) He just, he will. He will do what he needs to do in your life. So thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I hope that just by sharing my story, my journey over this past little bit, I hope that that's encouraged you. If you would like to leave a five-star rating and a written review, then you will go in the draw to win a coffee. I'm announcing the winner of the weekly coffee at the end of every episode. And so if you want to go in the draw to win one of those, if you would like to leave a lovely review, then you can go right ahead and do that. I would be very blessed. And just as my way of saying thank you, I would like to bless someone with a free coffee every week. And the winner of this week's coffee is my lovely friend, Alex. And so Alex, I'll make sure that that coffee gets into your hands. Congratulations. Thank you so much for leaving that lovely review. And I hope that we can go for coffee in person but for the rest of you thank you so much for listening to this week's podcast if you're enjoying these podcasts please feel free to subscribe as well and i will see you in the next podcast next sunday thanks so much for listening be blessed have a wonderful week i am praying and believing the absolute best for you in jesus name thank you so much for listening bye now